And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, when the 49ers take the field on Monday Night Football against the Rams, it will have been about 396 days, something around there. I lost count. I had to use Google to find the calculator to to calculate how many days it's been since the 49ers last won a home game. And the most recent time that they won a home game, that, what, 396 days ago or whatever it was, was against the Rams at Levi's in front of no fans. So they're going to try to do the same thing again to bookend a very long home losing streak. The problem is that the Rams are better than they were last season, and they were already a good team last season. And the 49ers, I think, are right now, they're even worse than the team that played the Rams last season because they're not playing defense at the moment. So it's going to take a gigantic turnaround on Monday Night Football. Maybe the 49ers will surprise us, Matt, but their backs are up against the wall and the momentum is not headed in the right direction. No, and uh, the real problem spot for the 49ers is the offensive line, I think, because uh, we now know that Mike McGlinchey is out for the season with a a torn quad that required surgery. So I I don't even think that there's any chance that he comes back in the second half of this year. And we all saw what happened when he he left Sunday's game against the Cardinals. Uh, The Cardinals just really kind of concentrated on the right side of that line. Uh, Tom Compton at tackle. Daniel Brunskill at, at right guard, and uh, you know uh, they 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 got to Jimmy Garoppolo uh, repeatedly. So uh, this Rams team has Von Miller now. He's probably going to make his Rams debut on Monday night. It's got uh, Aaron Donald, of course. Um, so that's uh, a little problematic. Now we can go back to 2019, the first time that the 49ers played the Rams that year. Um, they were missing Joe Staley at left tackle and McGlinchey at right tackle. So you had Dan Brunskill at right tackle, and uh, Justin School was starting at left tackle, and, and it was all doom and gloom at that point, too, going into that game. Uh, how are the, the 49ers going to stop Donald and company then? Well, they, they won 20 to 7, uh, 20, uh, yeah, it was 20 to 7 in that game, Dennis. So there is precedent. Uh, for playing inspired football and, and overcoming, uh, at least on paper, a real disadvantage. Uh, the issue is that the 49ers just haven't kind of shown that that type of uh, that fire and intensity consistently this season. So what I'm hearing is that there is hope, right? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it's a little bit of hope. And, you know, that's this is why you play the football games. Yeah, the 49ers have, you know, they've, They've had an awful home stand here, and um, you need a win. You're you're on prime time again. Um, they haven't shown 
that they had that fire. You talk about the offense. I I, I think about the defense uh, and and the weapons that the Rams have, and and especially the secondary. Um, the secondary just looks like they're 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 playing with no no sense of urgency. It almost feels like they're waiting for things to happen in front of them and then kind of react. And a lot of times the react is bad angles and, and just awful tackling. So last year, you know, the 49ers had a, had a tough season last season, but it, there were times when they played with some urgency. I, I just haven't seen it this year. And you, you, you're coming in against a Rams team that is, you know, it's a good football team. And they just seems like they continue to get better. They bring in more, more people or, you know, you, you have a quarterback that's, that's playing on fire, except for last week. But then you go get Von Miller, and uh, it, it, it's almost perfect timing. You know, Tom Compton, maybe he was rusty, uh, maybe not having the reps during the week. But uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, was sacked five times. Uh, and I can remember three over Tom Compton, at least. So, you know, you got Von Miller and you got Aaron Donald in, in the inside. He plays inside, outside. He plays linebacker. He plays everything. So it's going to be a challenge. But like you said, you know, it's an opportunity for the 49ers to kind of get right. Um, you know, I don't know what happens during the week, but I hope everyone's kind of checking themselves uh, and saying this is, you know, we've we've I mean, they've seen the film. I mean, you have to see the film and the film studies cannot be fun. I mean, I hope they're not fun, at least. These guys just need to start playing with some, you know, with some with some aggression or with some anger or especially on the defensive side. Then on the offensive side, you just got to execute. I mean, you know, low balls, high balls, uh, holding penalties, uh, you know, all that. All, all those mistakes have to go away when come Sunday or come Monday night because you're going to play against a good team and, and you can't get behind against this team because the defense, it just seems like they, they just can't. Once a team gets ahead, it's tough to keep them out the end zone. And we saw last week with a depleted, uh, Cardinals team that they just kind of ran all over this defense. So just got to play with some urgency. Guys got to be accountable. Guys have to check themselves. And I hope, and we've been talking about leadership. I hope some of that leadership has has stepped up this week and said, listen, you know, what, what they got like 10 games left. I mean, you can turn it around. I mean, you just got to focus a little bit, but you can't play like you've been playing the last couple of weeks. You just can't do it, especially this week against the Rams. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, we, we've talked about the defense. It has to be way, way better. That was one of the worst defensive performances of the season anywhere in the NFL from the 49ers on Sunday. If they do get Jimmy Ward back from his quad strain, I think that can help. He obviously is a huge part of 
just the whole communication apparatus of the 49ers on the back end. He's also the best tackler in the unit. So I think it's it's critical that they get him back because the secondary is just so lacking right now and a lacking secondary does not pair well with a declining pass rush and that's happening because there are a ton of injuries up front. Maybe the new guy, Charles Omanihu, is going to step in for the 49ers along the defensive line and give them a boost there. So you, you could hope that those things happen and that the defense is able to get that surge of energy thanks to better personnel and step up to the Rams who actually were slowed down by the Tennessee Titans last week. I mean, the 49ers aren't the only teams aren't the only team with problems right now. They're probably the only team that was considered a true contender at the start of the season that has massive, serious problems as big as, as they do right now, right? But but the Rams, they're coming off a loss. And uh, to give you an example of the, the talk around their team, people are saying, you know, some people, we, we know the yahoos out there on social media, but it's still worth uh, bringing up their <laughs> their points of view right now just to give you an idea that this happens around the whole NFL. There are people saying, oh, Matthew Stafford is Jared Goff 2.0. He started hot under Sean McVay, and now defenses have figured him out. Now, unless Matthew Stafford struggles against the 49ers, a team that just let Colt McCoy look like Joe Montana against them, I wouldn't go as far as some of these people calling Stafford Jared Goff. But the 49ers have a chance to make Rams fans really, really worried and to really get those crazies on social media comparing Matthew Stafford to Jared Goff in a way that the Rams don't want. So it's a great opportunity for the 49ers to do that by shutting down the Rams this week. Nobody's saying that it's likely, and I guess it's not a good thing if your defense, instead of being the defense that you know used to make good quarterbacks look bad and, and gave other teams an excuse for their quarterback looking bad, Matt, it's not a good thing when your 49ers defense is now the one that can validate concerns of opposing teams regarding their quarterback, right? The 49ers now defensively after that game against Arizona are viewed in such low esteem that anything but a good performance from Matthew Stafford is the standard against them instead of the other way around. But hey, you got to start from somewhere if you're the 49ers and you don't care how people perceive you as far as how you shut down Matthew Stafford or not. You just got to get the job done and you have to give your offense a chance in this game. All right. It shows how far that defense has fallen since 2019 when it was, you know, the marquee unit in, in the NFL. Uh, now it's uh, oh he got beat by the 49ers defense wow you must you must really be a terrible quarterback um, it, it'll be interesting because uh, the 49ers keep uh, getting these uh, opponents coming off of losses uh, you know the Cardinals had lost the week prior to playing the 49ers and I think that probably focused them for that game and the Rams of course uh, lost uh, th- this Sunday as well. Uh, so uh, that's not great timing for the 49ers, but they, they're, again, they're at home. They should, uh, uh, you know, focus and in, in, in intensity should not be the, uh, the issues that, uh, that they seem to be. And we should note that 49ers have, have not lost to the Rams since last decade. They haven't lost to them since 2018. So they've had their number recently. Um, you know, and uh, I, I've been talking about bad luck and, and how that plays a, a role into the, the 49ers' misfortunes. Just a, a couple of weeks ago, I, I looked, and, and the Rams had something like one or two guys on IR. Uh, that number is now eight, but the uh, the caliber of the players, uh, I'm just reading down the list, Tutu Atwell, Jamil Denby, Jake Funk, 
I don't know any of these guys. Um, I know that they're not starters. Uh, so they're, they're not losing any frontline players, whereas the, the 49ers have 10 guys on IR. Uh, eight of those guys are starting players. It's just amazing um, you know what, what happens to them week in and week out. Now, I think that one of those guys, Drake Greenlaw, is probably going to return to practice this week, and uh, I think that that's, uh, that's got to be a boost for this team. Um, I don't think that Aziz Alshair played very well. He's been up and down. He's had some really nice games um, and some games where he's just out of control and isn't tackling well. And he was one of those guys, Dennis, that got a uh, very, very uh, prominent missed tackle against the Cardinals. So Dre Greenlaw's uh, return w- will help that unit. And, um, you know, maybe a uh, primetime game, that'll, that'll uh, add some energy to the equation. Uh, and like I said, the, the 49ers always seem to match up well against the Rams. And I was wondering, just in your experience, whether you found that, whether your teams matched up well against one particular opponent year in and year out, and vice versa, whether there were some teams that didn't have great records but always seemed to play the 49ers tough uh, when you faced them. You know, I was fortunate enough, I played in the 90s, so the 49ers were still the marquee team, and we won a lot of football games. We played the Rams every year uh, in my career, my seven-year career, and I, I think we might have lost to them once. So, uh, you know, it was always a matchup, but it was always, you know, we played the Rams tough because we knew them. We played them twice a year. I mean, we knew what to we, – we understood the offensive schemes, um, and we knew kind of what we were going to get. And, uh, and we, again, you know, we, we executed and I and I think when I when I whenever I see conference game or divisional games, I always think these are actually the easy games because you have so much tape on these guys. And I think you know you say the 49ers have had the Rams number for for a number of years. It's because you play you know what to expect, and all you have to do is go out and execute the offense or the defense. There might be some things that that might show up during the game, but there's not going to be anything that you don't know. I mean, you know, on the outside, you got you got uh, you got uh, you got your receivers on the outside, and you got you know a good quarterback. You have a tall quarterback, a semi-mobile quarterback, but it's a quarterback you can get after. So you know what to expect. And um, these are the games that, like, even with the Cardinals on paper, it looks like it's a good matchup. But you have to go out and execute. You have to do. The basic things you have to do the 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 fundamental things like tackle you have to tackle we saw last week against the Cardinals the 49ers just didn't tackle on defense and the injury part I mean I, I'm tired of the injury part because the Cardinals came out last week and they had marquee players that weren't on that football field but the next tier of guys came and they played they played and they played really well and that's the key I mean whoever's on the field you just got to play and it's not, you know, I'm I'm the second team and, you know, this is, you know, I'm outmatched or it's too big for me. You're an NFL football player. And it, it's especially if you're a two, a two, you should be playing like a one. So, you know, I, I on paper, I've never had any issues with, with the Rams. We knew what to expect. We knew what the film was going to be. Only film we ever watched when we played the Rams were the Rams against the 49ers because they're going to play you a certain way because they know you too. So, I mean, I, when, I, when I think about divisional games, I think on paper, um, 
You should. I mean, and at home too. I mean, this should be a game where you go out and say, "Listen, we're going to kick butt four quarters, and we're going to go home. It's going to be a win. It should always be a win. You're at home. You're playing a divisional team that you know that you've played whatever how many years you've been playing for the team. You've played them twice every year, twice. So there's nothing unexpected. But you have to execute. You have to cover. Uh, you have to tackle. And you have to get some turnovers. The 49ers just, they don't seem like they practice. Tur- I mean, I know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. They're they actually practicing the strip drill. But that's got to be something that just comes naturally. You have to take the ball away. You have to flip the field on special teams. That's just what you have to do to win in the NFL. And, and, and that's one of the, and, and you can't turn over the ball. And those are the issues that the 49ers have. They, they, they lose a turnover game, seems like, every single week. And the one week that they, they do, I think it was Chicago, they won the turnover game. They won the football game. So there's, there's, there's basic things you do. But when you play a team every year, nothing's unexpected. And we never, when I was playing, we never, ever thought uh, the Rams coming into candlestick that we we're going to lose that football game. Well, you guys also had more talent and a better team than the 49ers do now. And the 49ers team that actually won the turnover battle on a consistent basis under Kyle Shanahan in 2019 and the 49ers team that had better second unit players that easily filled in for first unit players under Kyle Shanahan, that, that, that came in 2019. Since then... Uh, the 49ers just simply put have not been uh, as talented. They had, I think, in 2020, uh, a comparable roster, but that one was so injury decimated that it was really hard to ask replacement level play from them, especially because you lose the most important position at quarterback. But if you look at this 2021 team, I think that a lot of these draft misses are starting to pile up for the 49ers. And the talent has eroded to a point where I think the offensive line is the best example of, of all of this kind of conspiring to create a perfect storm. Remember in 2019, the 49ers lost Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey for significant portions of the season, including both starting tackles at the same time. Yet they continued winning football games, and they did it because Daniel Brunskill played so well at both of the tackle positions. There were games where he filled in at left tackle, and there were games that he filled in at right tackle, and they kept it humming. So they gave a great example of what Dennis was just talking about. 49ers were able to elevate the play of backups to first-string level to get the job done, even through injuries. But this season, they don't have that luxury of Daniel Brunskill because Aaron Banks hasn't panned out yet at right guard. So Brunskill is stuck playing out of position, and nobody can convince me anymore that Brunskill's a better guard than he is a tackle because he played way better at tackle than he has a guard. And he's stuck playing below average performance at right guard while they have to insert Tom Compton, who quite possibly is the worst tackle in all of football to replace Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. And the only reason that they have to do that is because they don't have enough faith in Aaron Banks, and I'm almost certain they're not going to have enough faith in Aaron Banks uh, to make his debut against Aaron Donald against the Rams. So this is going to be a persistent problem for at least two more weeks. That's the only reason they can't do it is because the draft and a second-round pick, which by this point of the season should at least have some backup value, right? In case there is an emergency like a Mike McGlinchey injury, there should be some value in that Aaron Banks pick, but they still don't feel that he's playable enough to allow Brunskill to go back to that role in 2019. So there's an anecdote that I think illustrates 
how the 49ers are weaker depth-wise than they were in 2019 and why that is so devastating to a team in a long NFL season that features injuries. They can no longer pull the levers that they did at the level of effectiveness that they did in in, in a championship-like season. And it goes back to, you know, a critical mass of draft picks not working out. You know, obviously you're not going to have a 100% hit rate, but when enough of them at enough of those critical spots aren't able to contribute when you need them to, well, eventually you find a roster that uh, just can't stay afloat when so many of these injuries do hit. No, for sure. I mean, we saw that during the the Trent Baalke era. Uh, He rolled the dice on a lot of ACL guys in those middle and late rounds, hoping that uh, th- that would turn into a real jackpot because uh, they would they would fall down the draft further than their talent suggested because of the injuries. And none of those guys ever panned out. And at the end of the day, by t- 2014, Balky's last season, they, they just had it was a roster that had no middle. It had some good star players. Uh, but uh, the rank and file was missing. And so you're right. When you, when you draft a, a guard in the second round, early in the second round, <laughs> that guy has to play. Uh, you know, by, by the, by the uh, you know, uh, first half of his rookie season, he should be in the lineup. And, and we're reaching that point right now. But I agree with you. I don't think that any of these guys... Uh, make their their big debuts against uh, against the Rams. I think the following week on the road uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, if if they lose this game to the Rams, I, I think that's when you start to see, you know, whether it's Ambry Thomas or Diamador Lenore at at cornerback, uh, Aaron Banks at guard, maybe some Trey Sermon, maybe some Trey Lance. How about that? Getting him in for a few plays. Um, that's when I think it, it, it probably starts to, to happen a little bit more. And um, your, your point about offensive line is right, and I think cornerback is right too. Uh, that, that's, a, that's an area where you know, they put a lot of stock onto Jason Verrett. He's gone by the uh, third quarter of the, of the first game. And all of a sudden, you're leaning on Josh Norman and Drake or Patrick. And, and these guys are off the street free agents when, when, the, when the season begins. Um, and you know, frankly, they, they look like that. Uh, so, uh, I, I think now is, is when, uh, you, you've got to start playing these, these rookies, uh, start getting them some, some seasoning. And, uh, it was interesting that Ambry Thomas was up and Diamandora Lenore wasn't early in the season. It was Diamandora Lenore who was up and Ambry Thomas who wasn't. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not quite sure, Dennis, what's going on at those spots, but, uh, th- those youngsters, uh, need to start getting some time. Uh, because it's going to become a, a wasted season for a lot of them. Yeah, and you know, you, you talk about rookies contributing. I can remember coming in as a second-round draft pick and, and the very first day being there for the press conference after the draft, sitting in front of my locker and just being in awe, like, wow, I'm in a 49ers locker room, and then seeing the guys come in for the workout, you know, Jerry, Joe, Michael Carter, uh, Larry Roberts, Pierce Holt, all these guys were walking in, and I'm still kind of, you know, in my dream world and running lots sits next to me. And he says, he says, listen, you're a second round draft pick. We expect you to contribute. That's the bottom line. And get yourself ready. We're going to go to camp. And but you got to you got to produce out here if you want to be if you want to make this squad. And here I, here I was thinking I'm a second round draft pick. I got to make the squad. But Ronnie, Ronnie broke it down to me real, real simple. 
this is what's expected of you. You're expected to come in here as a second round draft pick and you got to get your butt on the football field. And I think, you know, it, it just feels like that's that urgency that a leader put on me that you have to contribute. And I think that's what a lot of these guys need to do. These guys need to be accountable. I mean, you're on an NFL football team. And if you are, you're drafted as a rookie, you got to fight your ass off to get on the football field because the window is so small. And you, and we were just talking about, you know, the, the misses. I mean, you have one draft pick from your, from last year's draft, um, Elijah Mitchell, and he was a, a lower pick, six, six round or seventh round, whatever he was. And he's the only one that's really on the football field. You have your second round, uh, your first round, and we're hoping to see more of him. I mean, you, you got to get Trey Lance on the field. I mean, you, you, you got to get him some reps, some professional reps. And you got to get him in an offense where he's not just running the football like he did against Arizona. And you got on, on the defensive side, you went out and you got and you attacked. I mean, you addressed some of the things that, you know, your 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 secondary was something kind of a question mark. So you go out and you get some guys in a draft. You got to get some work. You got to get some work out of them. And I, I but I think you're right. If they go out uh, Monday night and the Rams end up beating the 49ers, you're going to see more of the youth movement, I think. And because Kyle Shanahan, he's stuck in a position. I mean, he's got to win football games. And he was hoping Jimmy Garoppolo was going to win football games. You got to develop a quarterback. And Trey Lance, your third overall pick. So I, I think this game is, is going to be very important for a lot of different reasons. I even think if the 49ers go out and beat the Rams, you're going to start seeing some more of these guys on the football field. If ownership is kind of bought into this long-term uh, Kyle Shanahan thing, you got to you, you got to get these guys on the field. But that's professionalism. You have to know if you're a draft pick, you got to fight your butt off to get on the field, on the practice field, and in football games. And that's that sense of urgency I'm always talking about. Well, the 49ers season, I think it's fair to say they're nearing life support right now, right? It's at that spot where obviously it's going to take a while to mathematically eliminate them, even if they keep on losing, just because there's so much parity in the league. But at some point, you, you have to start notching some big wins, puffing your chest out at teams that are theoretically better than you and winning at home. I mean, that's obviously something they haven't done in over a year. So it's really at that point now where the 49ers do need to scratch and claw, find a way to make something happen. And in that way, it needs to be at least close to Kyle Shanahan's finest coaching hour. And I will point out that last season in both games against the Rams, this was exactly the case. The 49ers were underdogs. They were in a position where they were a losing team. They needed to scratch and claw uh, their way out of an ugly situation the game prior or the several games prior. And both times, and to me, the one that stands out the most was the first time because Jimmy Garoppolo was playing. So the offense probably most approximated the one we see now, and we could you know, draw the best conclusions for that. But that first time at Levi Stadium really stood out to me because of the game plan. And I think the 49ers are going to mirror a lot of that game plan. And by that, I mean, they knew that they were overmatched against the Rams pass rush. And they're probably going to be overmatched by the Rams pass rush again because the right side of the offensive line is a mess. No more Mike McGlinchey. Rams now have Vaughn Miller. The Rams always have Aaron Donald. It's not going to be a fun game to drop back and throw 40 times if you're Jimmy Garoppolo. So you can't do that. Last season, the 49ers were weaker to begin with pass protecting because it was before McGlinchey had turned the corner. It was before they had Alex Mack. It was 
simply a situation where the game plan was going to be one where the 49ers executed on their terms. And they did that by creatively running the football with Debo Samuel. They did it by running with Raheem Mostert. And, you know, even Jimmy Garoppolo, quote unquote, passes were runs when he was pitching forward to receivers sweeping the ball. So that creative game plan threw Aaron Donald off balance. Daniel Brunskill actually had highlight reel clips against Aaron Donald last year. And Shanahan outcoached Sean McVay and played the game on his terms. It was vintage Kyle Shanahan making it work with lesser talent because the 49ers were already injured at that point, right? To beat the Rams, to control the game, start to finish, and beat the Rams. And I truly think it's going to have to be a similar thing this time around now that Mike McGlinchey is out. I don't care if it's Jalen Moore, if it's Tom Compton, or if it's Daniel Brunskill kicking out the right tackle and Aaron Banks starting against Aaron Donald, which obviously isn't likely. I don't care what permutation it is on the right side. The 49ers are going to be at a disadvantage. And Kyle Shanahan is going to have to show up and neutralize that disadvantage. And if he does... And we shouldn't throw out the possibility of of him being able to do that. But if he does, that's how the 49ers are going to be able to win this game and potentially right the season because uh, it's going to take some magic at this point, given that talent bleed that we've seen over the course of this season. Yeah, they uh, they ran the ball 37 times in that game that you're you're talking about. By the way, the last win at, at Levi Stadium for the 49ers. So uh, if if there are 37 rushes from the 49ers uh, on Monday night, uh, they'll they'll win uh, th- this coming game as well. Uh, and, and it's something the 49ers should be able to do, and, and they, they weren't able to do it consistently against the Cardinals. They also fell behind very quickly against the Cardinals. Um, they were a little hesitant, I think, in, in using uh, Elijah Mitchell because he was dealing with that rib injury. Uh, they didn't really want to put Jeff Wilson in the game. So, um, But that outside zone, uh, you know, Tanner Vallejo, uh, Isaiah Simmons, uh, the Cardinals have drafted for speed in recent years, and that speed is both on offense and on defense, and it was showing up. Uh, the defensive coordinator over there was taking away that that uh, that stretch run that's so effective uh, for the 49ers. So uh, the 49ers need to figure that out. Every now and then a team comes along and just takes that away from them, uh, and they're not quite as good at, uh, at running the inside stuff as the outside stuff. And uh, I think Kyle Shanahan's talked about that, that that's really a, a feel thing. And Raheem Mostert just has a wonderful feel for it. And these other guys, these younger guys, are still trying to pick that up. Um, the good news is that Elijah Mitchell is going to be uh, another eight days uh, removed from, from that rib injury. He should be better. Um, and, uh, you know, George Kittle knocked the rust off. I think he had 101 yards uh, against the Cardinals, he had 109 receiving yards a- against the Rams in that first meeting. He's there. Charlie Warner's there. Kyle Juszczyk's there. I think that they're probably going to go with Jalen Moore as the right tackle. I think that's the he's the best athlete of the uh, of the candidates there. Uh, he's certainly not uh, in the Trent Williams mold as far as getting out into space and throwing his weight around, but he does move well. Uh, so uh, they, they should be able to get outside against this Rams team. Um, maybe shove Von Miller around. Uh, that, that's how you beat him. Just t- take the game to him. Uh, and, uh, and you're right. That's how they have to win this game. And Mike McDaniel, the offensive coordinator, is their run guru. He's had an extra day to kind of come up with a great game plan against this Rams defense. So 
um, you know, this this is it. I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, going with uh, with the rookies possibly uh, against the Jaguars the following week. Uh, if, if you don't win this one, then you really start. I mean, certainly the fans will. The 49ers will probably say they're not, but uh, I think they have to. If you don't win this one, uh, you're starting to look at 2022. Yeah, and I'm curious how come Jalen Moore didn't go in against the Cardinals. I mean, I think that's a position that he knows. Not right tackle. That that's the issue. So with Jalen Moore, it's 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 really interesting. I just wrote about this, so I'll jump in really quick, Dennis. So he uh, the Forty ers saw him as a guard when they drafted him, but he played all four years in college, and you know, not all three three plus years. Came in. They first they tried him as a as a defensive end, but then they realized, okay, we want him at left tackle. So they put him at left tackle at Western Michigan, and he never worked right tackle. So then he came to the NFL, and the 49ers said, oh, he's 6'4". He's not quite, you know, that 6'6", 6'7", frame, you know, maybe even 6'8", that, that, that some tackles in the NFL are. So that they said from day one, we want him to be a guard. But then Justin School tore his ACL. Then it looked like Sean Coleman really wouldn't be back in a, in a way that the 49ers would be happy with. And, you know, just in general, the tackle position, the depth there for the 49ers eroded over the offseason. So they said, okay, well, maybe we'll try Jalen Moore out at tackle. But they only worked him at left tackle uh, because that was his natural position in college. And he never really became their swing tackle. He became their backup left tackle. So he started in place of Trent Williams against the Colts to mixed results, but it wasn't terrible, right? It was better than Tom Compton at right tackle, but he never got that footwork and everything down for right tackle. So they were uncomfortable putting him in there for Mike McGlinchey in the middle of a game. Now, does that change with three days of practice and maybe, you know, he has a chance to work that footwork? Maybe. I don't know how long it takes, but the 49ers really had two swing tackles. They they had more as the backup left tackle and Compton as the backup right tackle. And I agree with you. It's not ideal because Tom Compton is terrible. <laughs> and we should point out that, that Brunskill has, has played right tackle well for this team in the past, but he hasn't taken any tackle snaps all season, all off season either. They, they wanted him to play guard, a little bit of backup center, uh, and he was at guard, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, David, from OTAs onward. I don't think there was uh, any tackle at all for him. So I don't think that that's even an option. So it's either Jalen Moore learns how to play right tackle in three practices or Tom Compton again, or they just elevated Colton McKivitz up to the uh, regular roster from the practice squad. I think it's too soon for him to get a starting role, but... That's another that's another offensive lineman to throw into the mix there. The only guy out of that group that has had any above average success playing tackle in the NFL is Daniel Brunskill. So and and, and the, I mean he's a former tight end and he he played it in 2019. Uh, I agree he hasn't played it in a while, but none of these other guys have a demonstrated track record of success at playing tackle, which is why the 49ers are in such a bind and why. This whole Aaron Banks situation is is hurting this football team because, uh, I mean, it, they could talk until they're blue in the face about how Aaron Banks needed time to get ready to play and stuff. But but if if he had been at least a little bit further along, then they could start giving him some reps and practice with the first team and allow Brunskill to get his feet re wet right at at tackle uh, at tackle in case a disaster did happen. Disaster does happen. McGlinchey goes down, and now you're completely screwed with uh, 
with Brunskill stuck at guard because all the options we just listed aren't good, right? So I think it's a huge issue, and it goes back to that draft or the development after the draft or both, you know? I think it's more of the development. I mean, you know what you have, and you can't just not hope, especially if you if you're part of the this 49ers organization that – you know, a starter like Mike, Mike McGlinchey goes down. I mean, because it, it just it just happens. You know, your starters go down. And you have a second-round draft pick in Aaron Banks. Um, and I don't know, has he been up for the games? Or is he just a scratch? Has he suited up for the football games at all? No, he, he only suited up for one when Trent Williams was inactive. So he was just the emergency lineman. So I don't even count that as a suit-up, really. He, he, he hasn't found a way to crack that actual rotation yet. And... That's not a good sign. Now, Shanahan finally said that he's making a little bit of a move, but I don't know if Shanahan just said that, uh, you know, kind of call off the dogs, you know, fend off the dogs with the media the, the other day. But he said, when the time is right, we'll make that move, the move to replace Brunskill at right guard with Banks. Um, to, I read that as the time is not right against Aaron Donald. <laughs> Maybe it's going to be right against Jacksonville. But either way, it doesn't seem like the time has been close to right yet. And that that's alarming. You used a second round pick on a guy in a year that you were obviously pushing chips into the middle of the table. So you can't, you know, uh, with Lance, it makes sense, right? With Lance, it was always a future facing pick. But in a year where you inked so many one-year deals with veterans and where you, you you clearly were playing for this season. Not every pick can be a, this guy's going to be ready in 2023 pick, right? Right. And that second-round pick, especially because the line is such a big part of what the 49ers need for stability offensively, Banks had to be able to play at some point this year. And right now, it's just not trending in the right direction. You know, you have the problem. You On the inside, you got, you got Aaron Donald on the inside and you got Von Miller now on the outside. And you, you have to have an athletic tackle out there. Just just be, I mean, Von Miller's, he's fallen off a little bit, but he's still, he's still got the quickness off the ball. He's got that arm dip. He plays a run really well. So you have to have someone out there. If you want to use that stretch game, you got to get him either pushed out of there, up the field, or to the sideline so a rush lane comes open. Or you just got to have someone that can just straight out maul him. Because he, I mean, he's he's a pro bowler for a reason. I mean, he's got the sacks for a reason because he's a he's a he's a he's an athletic. He's basically an outside linebacker, but you have to have an athletic uh, tackle out there, or it's going to be for a long day, and you have to cover yourself on the inside for those cutbacks with Aaron Donald. So, yeah, they're in a predicament, and um, I, I look at the Cardinals with what they did last week. It was just a short game. It was short passes. Get the ball out quick. You can't have Jimmy Garoppolo sitting in the pocket looking for, you know, whatever these long developing pass routes. You get get the ball out of his hand quick. You know, Ayuk is kind of showing up again. Uh, you got George Kittle. So I think Kyle Shanahan, I'll be seeing kind of how he how he game plans this because you got to get the ball out quick because you got some super athletic guys up front that can get after some passers. I think Miller is going to be really geeked up for this game, too. His first game for the Rams, and he didn't play last week, so uh, he hasn't been on the field in two weeks. Monday night football, rival game, uh, debut game. So, yeah, that's that's got to be sort of a, a focal point, I think, for the 49ers offense. One thing about Banks I wanted to add, every year after the draft, I, I go to um, Scott McLuhan, the, the ex-GM for the 49ers, who... 
uh, now uh, sort of scouts on a contract basis for teams. Um, maybe uh, half a dozen teams uh, hire him, and he, he scouts certain positions for them. But I, I always go through the 49ers draft with him, and for the most part, he, he always um, you know uh, agrees with uh, the picks and uh, thinks that the player that the 49ers chose was taken at the right spot. Uh, over the past four years, there have been two two picks that he's disagreed with. He, he thought that these players had been overdrafted, weren't good fits for the 49ers. The first one is Aaron Banks, uh, who he didn't think was, you know, uh, a, a very mobile guy at all and would struggle in the uh, in the 49ers scheme, which requires uh, very mobile offensive linemen. The second one was Dante Pettis, uh, who he didn't think was physical enough for the NFL, and and he's been proven right so far on, on both of those. Uh, but I, I just thought that that was interesting, that um, Banks in particular, there, there was a lot of disagreement about the type of player he was uh, in, in the scouting community. Is he just sort of a, a mauler type, uh, good in a, in a phone booth, but not good in space? Some, some scouts were adamant that that's what he was. Others, including the 49ers, thought that, uh, that he could move, that he was athletic enough to do it. Um, and it seemed to me, David, just watching those practices where, that it was, um, it was pass blocking where he was he was struggling. I've heard I've heard both, but uh, it seemed like uh, Maurice Hurst in particular always had his number uh, in, in pass protection, and I wonder whether that's uh, that's what the 49ers are worried about as far as putting him in the lineup. Yeah, you just can't have him out there detonating plays or allowing defensive tackles working against him to detonate plays because you know we talk about the 49ers offense needing to be in rhythm that means being on schedule that means you know picking up the, you know, the four to five yards on first down and setting up third and manageable well you know the minute the guys start blowing assignments and and allowing sacks all of a sudden it's third and 15 issue right now is it's happening with Brunskill and it's going to happen with increasing regularity to Brunskill because a I, he's out he's out of position in my opinion. I, I always talk about the fact this is an ex tight end who played really well at tackle for the Forty Niners in twenty nineteen. He's light. You start matching him up on islands against interior elite interior defensive linemen unless you're playing the game on your terms and running the ball 37 times a game it, it's not going to be good and and I think it's going to be increasingly bad for Brunskill because McGlinchey's not there anymore playing good football right tackle if it's Tom Compton right next to you you got to help Dan Brunskill out right I mean on the left side uh, you have Lincoln Tomlinson who's turned into one of the 49ers most dependable, or maybe the yeah the most dependable offensive lineman. He's a top six, top five pass protector now. He's really developed. So I mean, a lot of people like to you know just shower all this criticism on the 49ers coaching staff, but there the, the, there is stuff that they're doing right, and you have to give credit to uh, Chris Furster, Zach Yancer, Butch Berry. You have to give credit to the the offensive line coaching staff for the development of. Tomlinson for the development of McGlinchey, who took another stride this year. I mean, that's obviously going well. But what Tomlinson does is, you know, he makes the job of Trent Williams, who probably doesn't need any help anyway, much easier. And it turns the left side into a force. The right side is the complete inverse of that. It's like a black hole now that you don't have McGlinchey because you have two below average performers in Compton and in Daniel Brunskill. And 
even if you plug Aaron Banks in there, he's not going to have that support, you know, that a good tandem between guard and tackle can have on that right side. Now, the good news for the 49ers is that there's no longer a black hole at center. And that, that had been a problem, right, throughout the Shanahan tenure up until this year. Now you have Alex Mack there who you know, by all the metrics is playing well and by all the intangible accounts is helping the other offensive lineman next to him. So as you try to shepherd Mac along, as you try to find a way to get through hell right now, which is what they're trying to do without McGlinchey, at least you have Alex Mack at that center position to help try to make some stuff a little bit better. Mack has been basically a Brunskill helper, <laughs> Brunskill Training wheels. Um, he's he's usually the guy that that double teams the guy who's going against Brunskill, and 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 most of the time it works. Sometimes it doesn't, though. You know, one of the one of the sacks uh, that the the Cardinals had was uh, Marcus Golden uh, splitting those two guys and flushing Jimmy Garoppolo from the pocket and then sacking him from behind. So uh, that's probably the. You know the the approach that they're going to use against Aaron Donald. They'll uh, Donald will line up against uh, Daniel Brunskill, and it'll be up to to Mac to to help him out. So two guys against one guy. If they can rise to the occasion, then uh, you know I, I think the 49ers will consider that a win. Of course, that that's going to put Von Miller one on one with your right tackle. Uh, uh, who's a uh, mystery guy right now? So that that'll be interesting to watch. Where where does Aaron Donald line up? Um, because they line him up everywhere. He'll he'll be lined up over the tackle uh, on some on some snaps. So um, that'll be uh, one of the things that I'll be watching on Monday night. Um, Dennis, what what's gonna catch your eye? What what are you gonna be focused on? <laughs> I'm just gonna be I'm gonna be focused. In that box, I mean, Aaron Donald is is a great player, but if you if you look how they they kind of neutralized him the last time they matched up, is they just kind of ran right at him. There was a lot of wham blocks, a lot of trap blocks because he gets upfield so fast, and he has that arm over uh, that he gets past the guard so fast, and then they just kind of you you run right at him. You just kind of use his quickness against him now. He's going to watch the film. He's going to understand how they want to kind of defend him or kind of run at him uh, to neutralize him. He's going to he's going to fix that. But, you know, you got to double team him. But now you got, you know, the, the defensive line is still pretty decent. Now they've, they've added Von Miller. But that D line is pretty good. And that linebacker crew is pretty darn good. So I'll be watching the box on both sides of the ball. I think last week, I think the 49ers tackles played really well. Uh, you know, Nick Bosa is playing his butt off this season. And if they can just get someone on the outside, but the 49ers linebackers in that secondary, they just got to play better. I mean, if you're a linebacker, uh, you got to make tackles. If you're in a hole, you got to be in the right position. Uh, uh, safeties or defensive backs, you have to tackle. I mean, that's the bottom line. And, and so I always spend the game looking in the box and looking at the, the, the tackles and the guards, how they're playing. Uh, and, you know, usually the game is won or lost at the line of scrimmage. And, um, this 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 offensive line, I mean, it's going to be interesting on that side there with Brunskill and whoever's the tackle, even, you know, with, with the center helping out. But you've got some good players on the uh, on the Rams defensive side of the ball. So it's going to be a challenge. I mean, every game's a challenge for this football team. And who's going to show up? Uh, who's going to who's going to have the most who's going to be more physical? I mean, that's that's the bottom line. If you got to be you got to be physical in the box and that's the bottom. I mean, you have to make tackles and you got to make plays. So 
I, I, I stay in the box, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this offense. I, you know, that that stretch game is going to be tough to get because you got such athletic guys on the on the Rams' offensive line. But you know, like we said in the beginning, there is hope, and if the 49ers execute, you know, they can come out with a win. But it wouldn't it be great to get a win at home? It's just, it just seems like it's been so long since you've actually got a W at home in front of your home crowd. It has been so long. It's <laughs> it's insane how long it's been. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, well, that's how we started this show, and I guess that's how we can end it. Next time we come on, and maybe it will be after 49ers win after uh, Monday night, uh, you know, not likely, but but possible, as, as we just talked about, then I'll have the exact number of days that it's that it had been since the 49ers last won at home. But no, you're absolutely right, and it's going to take some smoke and mirrors it's from, from Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, there's a talent mismatch now that the 49ers are down X amount of players, but, you know, talent mismatches didn't matter as much to this team back when they were a winning team for the reasons I outlined, because they weren't, you know, they, they were getting more from uh, their players at the margins, the players who aren't necessarily star players, and you know, some of these struggles in drafting and or development since then have started to catch up for the 49ers, but there's always a chance that that some of those things turn around, you know, maybe you do start getting excellent play from some rookies or at least improving play from them. And maybe you do get a boost from a guy like Jimmy Ward on the defensive side, a guy like Charles Omanihu on the defensive side, who uh, um, obviously is the the trade acquisition at, at the edge rushing position for the 49ers or from Dre Greenlaw on that side of the ball. So in the NFL where the margins are thinner and smaller than they are in college or high school football, you know, just a couple pieces like that can kind of change the flow of a game. And maybe the 49ers can find a way to, to scheme their way into a win with that extra boost of energy. But it's going to take a lot better performances from everybody involved, coaching to players to everybody, because it wasn't good enough against the Arizona Cardinals. It's going to have to be a lot better against the Rams. Anyway, for Matt Barrows and for Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you all next time on Here's the Catch. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.